And I said, I'll always be in a field area because seeing the, you know, our visitors just being here and enjoying and realizing like what we're doing is making a difference for them. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's such a huge part of it. Um, and of course, we're also protecting a resource. So like we're providing these places for people to come, but there's also this feeling that protecting these places for your, you know, for my children's grandchildren's grandchildren to hopefully also be able to come to. So I don't know, I guess that's maybe that in a nutshell. You're listening to the Sasquatch Trailrunners podcast, where every run is a trail party. I'm your host, Kim Levinsky. Today's episode is the recording from our Facebook Live interview series on Wednesday, June 30th, 2021. We sat down with New Jersey State Park Superintendent Rebecca Fitzgerald to hear all about her experiences in public service and to hear more about her hilarious trail adventures in northern New Jersey. So sit back and relax or go out and hit the trails and enjoy the show. Today's episode is brought to you by the High Point State Park Lake. You may be wondering how we landed this sponsor. Like, is the lake even open? Well, thanks to High Point State Park Superintendent Rebecca Fitzgerald, yes, the lake is open. So thank you, High Point State Park Lake, for your generous support. We love you too. All right, we are live and ready to go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sasquatch Trail Runners Run Venture Facebook Live Series. My name is Kim Levinsky. I'm the owner and race director for Sasquatch Trail Runners in New Jersey. Tonight, I will be interviewing the wonderful Rebecca Fitzgerald. She is here with me now. She is a NJ State Park Superintendent. So before we jump into the interview, I'm going to share a few updates on what's going on in the wonderful world of Sasquatch Trail Running. So thank you to everyone who came out to the Midnight Squatchapalooza this past weekend. We had over 150 runners and hikers of all ages and paces join us for the weekend. I hope all of you who came out are recovered. I think I'm finally caught up on sleep. Um, personally, I want to say a huge thank you. I have been blown away by the amount of positive emails, messages, social media posts from you guys. Just been very overwhelming with the positive uh, feedback that we've gotten. So thank you so much for taking the time to do that. Um, next up for us, we are headed to the South Mountain Reservation in Milburn, New Jersey for the Fat Sass Switchback Challenge. And that is less than two weeks away. It is on July 10th. So this is the complete opposite of the Midnight Squatchapalooza that just happened. So this course at the Switchback Challenge is one mile long. It climbs 300 feet up and then goes 300 feet down all in the course of one mile. So you want to try to complete as many loops as you can in the allotted time of either six hours or three hours, or you can do three loops for a 5K. You can register for that on ultrasignup.com. Everyone coming is gonna bring a food donation and that's given to our friends at Livingston Neighbors Helping Neighbors. So this local charity gets our food donations directly in the hands of local families who are in need of help. So since we started our race series in 2018, we have donated several truckloads, literally truckloads of food to them. And that is all because of you guys coming out to the races. So thank you for helping us support them. And just know that your donation is going right into the hands of families who need the assistance. So after the switchback challenge, we are heading up to Harriman State Park in Tuxedo, New York for our first ever New York State race. That is on July 31st, and we are hosting a trail half marathon and a seven miler. This event is sold out. It's sold out in less than three weeks. I will tell you though, Don Weiss and myself are working to increase the capacity a little bit so we can get some more runners and hikers to join us. So I encourage you to stick your name on the wait list if you haven't gotten in. You can also do that on ultrasignup.com. So we are co-hosting that event with our friends at the New York, New Jersey Trail Conference. And we are raising funds for their current project, which is to rebuild the historic Ramapo Dunderbird Trail. And we're using that trail for our race. So it's very cool that we can give back to them financially to help them complete that project. All right, so for our interview series, we are rocking and rolling this summer. On July 14th, that's our next one, we are sitting down with sports dietitian Dina Griffin, aka the nutrition mechanic, is going to be joining us. So plan on coming to that virtually. Bring all of your nutrition and hydration questions for Dina. 
The next week after that, on July 21st, we're going to sit down with James Leitner. If you've been following our interviews for the past year, he's been on a couple of times. He's a good friend to Sasquatch Trail Running. He is the founder of his nonprofit called Mission Clean Water. So James is also a local, a local race director. And like us, he's using the platform of trail running to help people, which it just, our missions align so well. So we are so proud to sponsor him and his mission at Mission Clean Water. So his, he has a 24 hour event that's happening on July 24th at Tamaquas Park in Westfield. And that's going to fund drinking, clean drinking water projects around the world. He's also doing a personal endurance challenge get this, of completing a marathon a day for 14 days in a row while carrying 45 pounds of water. Bananas, right? So you don't want to miss our interview with him on July 21st. The week after that, July 28th, we're going to be interviewing the one and only Don Weiss from the New York, New Jersey Chell Conference. I mentioned him before. He has been uh, my right-hand man with organizing the Harriman Big Bear Squatch Race. And um, he does a lot of fundraising for the trail conference and he's become a really good friend to Sasquatch trail running. So you can learn more about the rest of our events for 2021 on our website, which is sasquatchtrailrunning.com. Okay, so the reason you are all here, Rebecca Fitzgerald. Rebecca is a New Jersey State Park superintendent, like I mentioned for High Point State Park. And she's also overseeing Stoke State Forest. We have events at Stoke State Forest throughout the year. We just were there recently for the Thunder Chicken Squatch, and she got to run that race, which was very fun to have her as a participant. <laughs> and I'm sure maybe we'll hear some good stories from that because she has some good stories from that race. <laughs> so we're going to hear the ins and outs of New Jersey State Parks, as well as her trail running and hiking stories. If you know Rebecca at all, she has one of the best senses of humor and her social media is so great. It's so funny. So I'd encourage you to follow her on um, Facebook, Instagram, if you don't already. So I'm so excited to talk with Rebecca tonight and hear her story. As you're listening, please drop your questions in the live chat and we will hit them as the night goes on. We already received several questions today through Facebook and I have those ready to go here in my notes. So Rebecca. Hi, Kim you so and everyone. For joining us. This is great. It's so great. I was so excited when you asked and at first I thought, I don't really have a lot of like interesting things to talk about from running. And you said, I want to hear about your job. So I was like, ah, you're right. I think I can do that. So yes, it's great to be here. Oh my goodness. I know you have, we could spend probably hours talking about <laughs> stories from your job, probably in this last week alone. I'm sure you have a lot of stories. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. This last, these last, this today, just today. <laughs> Just I could run down my day for you and you would not believe it. I, so. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, let's jump in, just learn a little bit more about who you are as a person. We got to hear the backstory of, you know, where did this passion start for running, hiking, nature, education, all that. So I'm going to let you pick a starting point in that story and we'll go from there. Let's see. Well, I was born on February 5th. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> it was a Tuesday. <laughs> was, um, so I um, really uh, was just like had a wonderful childhood growing up in Sussex born? County in New Jersey um, and uh, Franklin Borough, which is about 30 minutes south of where of where High Point State Park is located. Um, and um you know, I grew up in the woods, you know, we were, we, we had, we were in a, in a nice, uh, a cul-de-sac neighborhood surrounded by the forest. And we just were always running around in the woods. We had bike trails. We were running around um, all the time um, that we, I, we had so many kids on the, the block, the street that I grew up on, on Hemlock Drive. And, um, you know, our parent, we were out of that door first thing in the morning and we did not come home until my, my mom actually had a, a dinner bell that she would ring a legit oh, yes. bell yes. Um, and she would start to ring that. And everybody knew that meant it was time. The Heath kids had to go home. Um, so we were just always outside. And um, I, I think, I guess that's probably where it started. And um, I remember like never really realizing that these areas belong to people, you know, like running through the woods. It's, it's someone's property, you know, but we never thought of it that way. Um, and, uh, and it was just such a great experience. And, um, 
then when I was maybe 13 or 14, my oldest brother, um, Tommy John, uh, was driving, he had his license and he said, come on, come with me. We're going to go hiking. And he drove to high point state park. Um, and we, we parked we parked where I'm thinking right now is sort of at the entrance to our Cedar swamp natural area. Um, but he pulled off to the side of the road and we just bushwhacked straight up the mountain (laughs) to the monument. We did not follow any marked trails. PS, please don't do that. (laughs) Um, just straight up, you know, getting cut by all the, you know, we call them pricker bushes, you know, now I know what they are. They're, you know, different invasive species and such, but, um, we ended up at the monument. I don't remember. I don't think the building was open. I don't think we went inside. Uh, at least I don't recall. Um, and then we just walked right back down to his car. And I was like, I, I love this place. I want to, I want to work here one day. Um, and a couple of years later, you know, when I, once I had my driver's license, I drove to the park I asked, hey, do you have any jobs? And I got hired um, to collect the tolls at the toll booth. Um, probably so so was... when you were there, when you were there, you knew you wanted to work there. I did. I just remember driving out and seeing the toll booth attendant and like, oh, hey, I wonder if I could, if I could do this job. I mean, it was about a 30 minute ride from where, where I lived. Um, and, uh, and I just kind of kept it in my head. And then once I was driving and able, I, I had all sorts of, I, I worked from the time that I was like, probably shouldn't have been working. I was probably too young to actually be working. Um, I worked at a deli for many, many years. So I always had, I just always worked and I always wanted to work. Um, but I just kind of always had in the back of my head, how I wanted to work at high point state park. So, um, once I had a car and, you know, gas money drove up here, I remember asking the superintendent at the time, his name was John, um, you know, there were jobs and he interviewed me on the spot and hired me to work on the toll. Um, my first season working, I remember there was a couple of different job opportunities. And one of them went to be a state ranger, which are now known as our park police officers. Um, and I remember thinking I didn't really necessarily want to take like the, the law enforcement route. Um, and so I remember asking him, are there any female park superintendents? So this was in the, or this was in the early nineties. Um, and at the time there were a couple and I remember him talking to me about them. And so like then and there, I, I, I decided that's the job that I wanted. Um, and uh, I went to Montclair State University and they, they had a, um, an outdoor, uh, it was called Recreation and Leisure Studies was the actual formal title. Um, my father was not at all pleased with that as a major. He had right. could not understand what on earth I would do with such a, such a major. Um, and I said, I want to be a park superintendent one day. So um, graduated Montclair State. And I still, I worked at High Point State Park all through college on breaks um, and, you know, home for the summertime. I spent one year in the toll and then I moved on to what's called a visitor service assistant position, which is more interacting with the public kind of out and around in the park. Um, and then I graduated in 1996 and I worked for a couple of years for a town recreation department, Paramus Recreation, as a matter of fact, it was, it was quite a ride. It was about an hour ride from where I lived, but you know, it was sort of, it was in a recreation field. And I really thought I was going to have to wait a while before I got hired uh, permanently as a park superintendent, because there, there's not many of the positions in the state. Um, and I was, it was only a couple of years out of, uh, you know, when I got, after I graduated that some positions opened up and I interviewed and, um, and I was hired in 1999 as a park superintendent. So I only had to wait about three years after graduation, which I was just thrilled. Cause I really thought it would have been a lot longer than that. Were you, were you hired at High Point State Park or was it another park? I was hired at Ringwood State Park, of course, oh, another okay. like local spot for you that you enjoy. Northern Green okay. State Forest is a part of Ringwood, Ramapo Mountain State Forest. Um, so I started at Ringwood. Ringwood's a really complicated area. At the time, there was um, there was another superintendent, so I was hired sort of to assist him. Um, and I spent a couple years assisting, and then he left. So I kind of moved into the lead position at Ringwood, um, and. Um, and I was, I was commuting at that time. Uh, I was living in Totowa borough cause I had got married. Um, and we, my husband and I, he, he worked in Totowa. So we lived in Totowa and it wasn't a terrible drive to Ringwood. 
but I knew that I always wanted to make it back to Sussex County to live. Um, so we, we moved and then it was about an hour and 15 minute ride for me to work every day. Um, and I always wanted to return back to High Point, but there's only one park superintendent at High Point. So I had to wait um, for him to retire. It was the, the same superintendent who hired me as a seasonal employee, John. Um, oh. Yeah, yep, yep. He was still here and um, he retired in May of 2010. And that was my chance. And I was able to move. I mean, I, I absolutely loved Ringwood. Ringwood is an amazing place. Um, the commute was really difficult, especially at the time I had, you know, I was raising a, a child and it was, it was a tough commute for me. So, um, so I was so happy to get the opportunity to come back to High Point, literally my backyard. Um, I have a, you know, 12 minute commute <laughs> to get here. <laughs> That's, maybe it's like 14 minutes on the way here. Cause I have to go uphill. And I always say it's a little, <laughs> a little faster on the way <laughs> But downhill on the way home. Um, and so that was 2010. So I, so I spent 11 years at Ringwood um, and now I'm in my 11th year here at High Point. So 22 years as a park superintendent. Um, it doesn't seem like that at all. I feel like that's, I'm a, still, long, that's a long time. A long time. And then, you know, with my combined with my seasonal um, time, it's, a, it's, a, it's about 26 years so far that I've been working um, in the park service. Yeah. Yep. Is, that, is that typical for park employees to, to have a long career like that? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Everyone you talk to, I mean, you know, when people retire, there is sometimes 30 years, 35 years of service, even more. I look, sometimes I look at these people and think, what did you start when you were like 10, you know, <laughs> because it seems like so many years, but, um, 100%, probably 90%, 95% of our permanent employees, um, have, you know, when they, by the time they retire, it's 30, 30 plus years. That, I mean, it seems like you're on that trajectory as well. Is that, are you, you, you seem very happy with your job. Is it something you want to stay in till oh, retirement? Absolutely. absolutely. Um, awesome. You know, I could right now with my years of service and my age, I could retire in um, eight years. Like that seems like, a, like, a snap of a finger, but, um, I don't know that I don't know that I will, you know, as soon as I'm able to, cause I, cause I really do. Like you said, I, right now I love what I do. I really love what I do. Um, so I'm in no rush. I'm in no rush at this point. Okay. That's awesome. Um, let's hit one of the questions from Facebook that we, we put out. Um, I think Joe's question has already been answered and says, how does one get a job like yours? I think you touched on that, right? Yeah, and I will mention it is, so every state is different, but in New Jersey, it is a civil service position. So there is there are degree requirements for my job and I had to t I took a civil service exam. So I was on a list. And then once the job was posted um, to be hired into, then they go to the civil service list and interview people. So, um, so it is, so, so check out the state of New Jersey Civil Service Commission for information on all of the state you know, positions that would kind of be covered under that. Okay. There you go, Joe, Joe Brandine. There's your answer to that. Um, let's hit another question. I have to confess I asked this, but we need to get the backstory on it. Is the lake open? The lake. Why do people want to know that? Because there were a couple of people asking about it. Fill us in on that whole situation. Is the lake open? So this started maybe three, maybe it was about three years ago now. Um, it was early April and it, it if I couldn't even begin to explain to anyone who's not a part, who doesn't work in a state park, what it is like working in a state park as you're kind of in the spring season leading up to your busy season. Um, it is just insanity. It's insanity. We're just trying to get things taken care of and fixed and things break down and hiring our seasonal, bringing our seasonal staff on board and um, one thing after the other, after the other. So it happened to be a day when we were a little short staffed. So I was the only one in the office. So I was trying to do all of my responsibilities with, you know, and, and also managing the phone. And it was early April, but we were getting, you know, a heat, it was maybe like 70 degrees. We we're going to get like a 70, 75 degree day. So multiple phone calls is the lake open. These were the calls. So it was just one after the other. So after the other. And you know, the lake's not open until Memorial Day weekend, generally speaking, when we have our lifeguards on duty. And also the lake water probably at that point is like 50 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we 
kind of high in an elevation here. And it's, it's um, so really not ideal for swimming. So I just kind of did sort of a vent post on um, Facebook and Instagram. And I used the Snapchat filter with the wide mouth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, here we go. Here come the phone calls. Is the lake open? And I go, no, with a big <laughs> smile. So it was just really funny to everyone. I guess, you know, people got a kick out of it. And I just started using that Snapchat filter um, oftentimes to answer that. So it seems that I've created this, this situation for myself. Um, people want to know, is the lake open? And, uh, and uh, every time I get the public phone call, I kind of, I just giggle in my head thinking about, you know, if I could count how many times um, we get this, we get this question. So, um, so it's all in good fun, but right now, yes, the lake is open. <laughs> I love it. You've created this kind of like online persona, fictional character of, of the lake, <laughs> the lake. <laughs> I've mentioned to some people, you know, it would, I would love to have that Snapchat filter in real life just, just to kind just of flip it on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it makes, it makes, especially delivering bad news. It seems to just make it a little easier. Mm. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Well, we've already got a question come in and I'm going to, expand this a little bit. This is from Beth Cunningham, who's a Sasquatch regular. Hello, Beth. Beth says, hi, Rebecca. We had an issue in my favorite local county park where there was an aggressive bear, quote, incident involving hikers and the park was closed. There was no other information given out about what happened. What kind of bear incident would cause you to, to close a park? That's a really good question. So what do you got? That that's a great question. I really, I can't answer, you know, officially the division, the New Jersey Division of Fish and Wildlife would certainly be the authority on that. Um, however, um, within the New Jersey State Park Service, we do have a bear incident, like we have a management plan um, for people interacting with wildlife, specifically bears. Um, and there's different categories that bears um, fall under. And so if they're, if, if they are considered a threat to, uh, to humans, obviously, then that's, that's a, that's a higher level category bear that would have to kind of be, um, there would be protocol to address that. So I don't know the specifics of that incident. Um, you know, I can share with you that, uh, especially in both High Point and Stokes, we have campers, we have overnight use in our, in our forests. Um, we have people with food around and items with, you know, scented items and such. Um, so it's really important that we educate our visitors how to properly, you know, act around the wildlife because it, it, it's our, it's our fault. If, if, if the bears are coming into areas where people are, it's because we're not doing the right thing. Um, so we have really strict um, regulations with um, food cannot be left out on sites. You know, food gets kept in coolers. Coolers get blocked in vehicles. We don't allow coolers left out on campsites. Um, anything with a scent, you know, make sure that it's not on a site. If we have folks who don't have a vehicle, we provide them with, um, you know, bear canisters. So, um, so it, it would take it would take a bear that is a threat to human um, life for us to have to take like really like you know extreme measures in the park service. So I don't know the specifics of that, but um, it's all about, if you go to the New Jersey Division of Fish and Wildlife website, um, njfishandwildlife.org, there's all sorts of information about bear safety and how to, how to you know, behave and um, how we can coexist. So, um, so definitely check that out. That's, that's perfect. And it leads, it leads great into another question we had from Facebook was, um, have you ever had a bear encounter on a trail run? And what was that first one like? And I know we had an incident at the Thunder Chicken Squatch. So maybe you want to chat about that. But what has been your experience with bears on the trails personally? So, you know, I, I see bears a lot and I'm excited every single time. It's an exciting experience for me. They're, I think they're beautiful animals. Um, and I'm also used to seeing them, I guess. So it's not as startling um, to me to see them. Um, it's more exciting. Uh, and, um, you know, in our neighborhood, there's, a, there's a big concern because some people don't necessarily manage their trash the way they should. So it, it could be common that there's just a bear walking through my front yard on the way to the neighbor's garbage. Um, but, um, so, so generally speaking, I, I've never really been startled by a bear that's kind of jumped out, you know, if I'm running, usually I kind of see them from a distance so I can kind of stop and observe. Um, 
<laughs> during the uh, Thunder Chicken trail run, I was running with my new friend, Kimmy, um, and we were, we, we, we started and Kim saw it first and she went, <gasps> and, oh, and we looked and I swear to you, this bear was, um, it was huge. It was huge. I mean, I couldn't tell you the size, but I'm thinking <laughs> the size of like a small Volkswagen almost. And it was from far away. I mean, the good news is he saw us and he took off. He wanted nothing to do with people, but we were so into it. I, it wasn't even quick enough. Like he ran fast enough before I could even grab my phone to get a photo. And we were just kind of taking it in like, wow. And we're talking about it. And we're kind of going up sort of the steep part of the trail. And at that point we were kind of, we were walking, doing a quick water break. And then about, about a minute later, Kim looks at me and she says, I haven't seen any trail markers. <laughs> and I went, oh, and I pulled up my Avenza map on my phone. And I said, because we're off the trail right now. So <laughs> Yes, you're hearing it correctly. The park superintendent got lost on a very well-marked trail that Kim took the time to mark um, <laughs> during the trail run. So at that point, we were able to get to get back on, um, to get back on the trail. Luckily, I had my map, so we could figure it all out. And uh, so that was, that was, but it was a big bear and it was really exciting for Kim to see it. And um, so, um, so just, I think the most important thing to, to keep in mind is just to remain calm always stop running. You never, ever want to run um, from a bear because bears can run very fast, 35 miles per hour, top speeds around there. Yeah, they can run really fast. So the most important thing is to stop and just, just kind of let them go along their way. Don't make them feel trapped, give them an escape route, um, make a lot of noise. You know, for the most part, they should be moving. I was very excited to see this bear see us and just take off because that is how a bear should be acting. Right. In forested area so yeah um he was big though yes I mean you you guys you had me laughing pretty hard with you know first you saw the bear and then you were lost <laughs> we ended up in the campsites and I think we had some campers offering us alcohol and I was like hey um you know whoops um no you're not allowed to have alcohol here I'm the undercover <laughs> park superintendent right now or running in a trail race <laughs> you know but um yeah it was uh it was it was good it was good it's so great. Yeah. You know, I, I had my first bear encounter ever just a couple of weeks ago and uh, people don't believe me when I say I've never seen a bear up until that point because I run, you know, and hike a lot of places where bears should be, uh, but it was over in Vernon and thankfully it was the same type of experience where they, there were two of them, they saw us and then they just lumbered away and kept moving. And then the third one we saw did the same thing, saw us from a distance and just went down the hill. So that was really nice. Awesome. Yeah. They really are really, when you get us look at them, um, just really like such cool looking animals, I think. Um, so yeah. Awesome. Well, I would love to ask this question. This was brought up on Facebook. I was planning on asking it anyway, talking about this past year and what state parks have been like, cause I know it's been crazy for the majority. I probably, you could, you could say across the board for parks and rec around the state, not just us, but probably the country, but I know specifically in New Jersey, you know, you guys have had some openings, some closings, packed parks, really busy. We were just chatting offline about camping at Stokes is booked out for the summer. Uh, so let's talk about that. What has this past year been like for you as a superintendent and for your staff at uh, High Point and Stokes? Wow. So, um, you know, I guess like everyone, we were all sort of personally dealing with the pandemic, you know, how it affects your, you, your home life. And if you have children and schools and everything else, and while at the same time, continuing to manage our facilities. Um, and, um, you, you know, at first we were every, you know, buildings shut down and, and bathroom facilities shut down. And this was early on when there was really no information as to, you know, how to keep, you know, things clean and keep people safe. And, um, and as that was happening, we saw this huge increase in visitation, um, just incredible, um, especially, you know, it was March, right, when this whole thing first started. So as soon as those nice weather, you know, the nice weather days came and everyone was home, people did, weren't at work, you know, children weren't at school. So it was usually around 12 o'clock, 12, 1230, figure after lunch and after that half day of Zoom school was done, yeah. we were just seeing just people everywhere. 
um, just out trying to escape and, you know, get some fresh air. And, um, and, uh, it was, it was really, really, it was unbelievable. And, um, and then of course it was unfortunate that everything shut down um, in uh, early April, um, I guess around April, first week of April that we had to close our parks. And that was very, very difficult to do. Um, first of all, you know, physically it's difficult to do because right. most of our areas are just wide open areas. Um, and then just kind of managing it and, um, you know, then while at the same time having to take all sorts of safety protocols for COVID, you know, not being in the building at the same time as some other person and, you know, making sure we're not sharing vehicles and just, it was just, in, it was intense. I, I don't think, um, you know, I, I don't think, I, I didn't take a day off for probably for like a month um, because it was just constant, you know, meetings and and discussions and planning and then being at the park and making sure that, you know, things were being taken care of. We can't just close buildings and walk away from them. We have facilities, we have systems that have to be checked, you know, um, you know, water treatment stuff, um, you know, alarms and everything else that we, you can't just not be there for it. So, um, and then it was May 2nd, I think it was that we, in 2020, that parks reopened. Um, and, you know, we saw this surge again of people and, but, you know, my observance was people were respecting others, each other's boundaries, you know, space, people just wanted to get out. Um, picnic tables were closed, buildings were still closed. I think we, at some point we opened one bathroom, but we only, we could only open one because our cleaning requirements were so intense. Um, you know, hourly disinfecting. And so we couldn't open multiple bathrooms because we just simply didn't have the staff to, to help keep them for what, you know, what our protocols were at the time. Um, and just, you know, a lot of first time visitors, a lot of first time users, um, you know, some people who just wanted to put a blanket down and get some fresh air and others who wanted to hike and, um, you know, parking lots filling to capacity um, so quickly, like we've never seen. Um, and then we just didn't really know what was happening. And then we got the word, hey, you're gonna have camping. You're gonna be, you're gonna open your campsites and you're gonna open, you're gonna have swimming. You know, you're going to provide lifeguards. So that was a challenge, um, but we did it. We did it. Um, uh, and, um, and we just kept going, you know, and then fall came. And of course things started to kind of be reeled in again. Sorry, there's somebody calling. Somebody's calling the park at 8.30 at night. They right want to know if the lake is open. It's open. I gotcha. <laughs> um, so um, fall, we kind of scaled things back again. And then spring, you know, kind of reopening. And, and here we are pretty much fully open at this point. Um, there's some restrictions on timing of certain facilities. But um, last year, you know, I, I shared with you, I've been a park superintendent. This is my 22nd year. But I, like last year was like the first year for me because we didn't know what to expect. Right. All of the traditional use and all of the traditional visitation. And, you know, I used to be able to predict when we would fill to capacity or when we would, when things would be busy, when, and it just, that just all went completely out the window. It was like a, the first year, we had no idea how things were gonna go. Um, here we are kind of year two, if we wanna call it that. And it'll be very interesting to see how things go. We're certainly still seeing lots and lots of use, but, um, but not as intense um, at this point, numbers wise, because I think people have more things to do now. You know, more things have opened up. People can now travel again. Uh, they can they can go to other states. Um, so it'll just be interesting to see how the rest of the summer goes. Um, but um, but it's been incredible. But um, you know, in times of crisis for me or in difficult times in my life, I like to feel like I'm helping. Mm -hmm. I like to feel like I'm I'm. Um, useful, you know, and I like to be busy probably. So I don't really focus on the reality of how <laughs> things are. Yeah. So it was good for me for that, you know, just feeling like I was helping, feeling like I was useful to, you know, to, to our staff, um, to our visitors, to the resource, you know, so, um, so, so that's kind of, that's sort of my take. That's my, wow. my pandemic year in review. <laughs> what a year. I know everybody's had a year, but I, I can't even imagine working at one of the state parks. That you, yeah. But the, everyone just, it's just incredible, you know, and, and luckily too, we didn't, I mean, we had some people who had people close to them who passed away, you know, who got sick. Um, we, we didn't, 
luckily, you know, we had some isolated cases with personally between the parks that I manage and the staff that I manage some isolated cases of actually people, you know, being sick. We only, we only had a couple of situations where we had to have staff quarantine. So of course that was helpful um, because we didn't have to, you know, alter our operations, but, um, but luckily everyone stayed, you know, were stayed healthy in, you know, relatively speaking compared to really what was going on in the world. So um, so, so we're, we're, we're very, very happy about that, of course. Right, right. We've got a, a comment in the live chat, and then I have a couple of things to say about what you just did. Uh, Maria Logan, I know that she, she shared with me that she used to work for you, and I don't know if you remember her, but she's from originally your neck of the woods. She now lives down in Virginia, but she said she was once an employee for you. Uh, I, you know, I'm so good about our names. I don't, I wonder what her, if she has a maiden name. If I saw a picture. Oh, yes. Yes. She is married. Mm. Oh, I can picture it on Facebook, but I can't remember it now. Yeah. I'll, follow, I'll follow up with you, but she said good luck this weekend. So I'm sure she's referring to 4th of July. Yeah. 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 It's funny because um, thank you, Maria. And um, Roy's, Roy's R-O-I-Z. She just commented. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, a lifeguard. Maria, lifeguard. Yep. Nailed yep. it. <laughs> yep. At Ringwood Shepherd Lake. Yeah. Um, 4th of July weekend. Oh man. The good news is the 4th of July is on a Sunday. Mm. So when the 4th is on a sa- Saturday is a little rough. Cause then Sunday is also a double whammy, but when the actual 4th itself is on a weekend, that means that's like one less day of craziness for us. Cause it it's crazy anyway on a weekend, you know? Um, so we're sort of happy about that, <laughs> but, um, the weather's looking good because it's going to be cooler. These really hot days are so difficult on our staff, you know, preparing, you know, our mowing crew has been out in this heat and our maintenance staff, you know, getting things up and running and um, our lifeguards just kind of sitting out in the sweltering heat um, has been tough, but it looks like things will be a little cooler. So um, yeah, you know, we get, we, we will fill to capacity earlier than we ever do on the 4th of July. It's just, it is, it is that. So anyone who works in the park service would understand that. Also, um, for over 22 years, really probably 25 as because even as a seasonal, I have never been, you know, I get invited to Memorial Day gatherings. I get invited to Fourth of July gatherings and it's always very nice. And usually it's family and friends um, inviting me saying, well, you you can stop by after work. We understand, you know, we understand. Yeah, right. Like ask my, you know, my husband and my son will tell you, I mean, I am just cooked by the end of it. I am just home, you know, just (laughs) exhausted and, um, and, you know, just not, no, thanks. I'll, I'll wait till I'm retired to, to attend those festivities. Yeah. I understand. That's like when I get invited out after one of the Sasquatch races, I just say, guys, I can't. I, yeah. I got to just <laughs> go be by myself for a little bit to recharge. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, I wanted to make a couple comments on, you know, you were just talking about this past year. First of all, the restrooms at Stoke State Forest, you could eat off of the floor. They are so clean. And I've told you that before. I've told your staff that because we've had a couple events there this past year and you guys keep it so clean. So kudos to you. That's leadership top down. Thank you. And, and it was funny because as the undercover boss, you know, cause I did the run, yeah. I thought the exact same thing. You know, I went in there and I was like, wow, these right? guys are amazing. And we had two brand new seasonals working that weekend, Josh and Sierra. And, um, you know, I was like, yeah, they're on it. So I definitely, we definitely, and I had a lot of just my own experience. And then you let me know and a couple of the other runners, like, oh, the bathrooms are so clean. So thank you. You know, a lot of times we hear the complaints. We right. often people are more likely to complain, right, than they are to give a compliment. We love the compliments, and we certainly share them with anyone who might be responsible for it. So, yes. thank you. Well, you deserve it, and it, and I can attest that it wasn't just because of race day, because I had been there, you know, prior to in the season, and, and it was just spotless. Like we could set up an aid station there. Not yeah. that we, <laughs> you could. <laughs> Um, The other thing I wanted to mention, and this is just a shout out to you, and I think it really speaks to your passion for your job, was you reached out to me directly, literally, the I think it was probably the day or the day after that you guys were given approval to start accepting special event uh, permits. 
And I so appreciate that. I know I've, I've told you that before, but I want to say online for everybody to hear, like you did not have to go out of your way to let me know. Cause we were in the same boat, you know, as race directors, we're trying to figure out like, okay, what's this park doing today? What's this County, what's the state doing? And you're getting all different answers. And I know you guys were just, you're flying on this, you know, on the go as well, trying to be flexible. So I just wanted to say you did not have to do that, but you went out of your way. And that's how we got in to do the Thunder Chicken was you let us know like, okay, hey, just so you know, we're now accepting permits. And uh, I, I so appreciated that. You're welcome so much. And I think also it was kind of cool, not whatever cool, but so your event, the double squatch at Stokes in 2020 was our last official event, especially if you remember, that's like the numbers, right? We were looking at what's going to be the capacity because oh, so there was going to be an executive order. And I think we just made it. Yes. Um, and um, so I had done a half marathon the weekend prior. I did the Celebrate Life half marathon in New York. So I kind of did that event. And then I did the double uh, squatch only one day, but um, yeah. three hours one day. Well, you know, I'll, I'll work up to that two, six yeah, hours. Yeah, you will. Yeah, you will. will. But um, so it was so, I agree with you. It was just like this relief. And I remember a couple of like running with a couple of our friends. Um, I was running with Sue and Sean Meyer in the beginning. And Sue is a school teacher. And we were kind of having that conversation like, oh, it looks like maybe schools aren't going to open, you know, and um, so, so I'm so happy we got your event and then we shut down completely and we weren't accepting special use permits. And even last summer, even though our parks were open, we just didn't have the capacity at that point to oversee these events right. um, because of staffing and just increased use. And so, so what was really cool was that the Thunder Chicken was the first official event back at Stokes in 2021 and that I also got to participate um, in it. So that was really cool. So I, it, so I, I thank you so much for taking, you know, putting those events on for, for folks, especially as you were able to kind of put these events on with limited use and phase starts. I know so many people appreciated that because it gave them some, you know, a little more, some, a little something else to look forward to and uh, to motivate them to get out and train. So thank you and Sasquatch trail running. Hey, it's all, it's all Sasquatch, right? He makes the magic happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In this in the spirit of um, wildlife creatures, let's talk about Norman. <laughs> <laughs> Who is Norman? What's the backstory? Tell the world about Norman. <laughs> Norman is whoever whoever you want Norman to be. So for me, Norman is any wild creature of any type, reptile, amphibian, um, mammal uh, that I might encounter either at work or in my personal time, um, running or hiking. And um, Norman actually comes from, and it's so funny because my son, um, he's, he's 18 now. And so he kind of always knew the Norman thing, but he never knew where it came from either. So we were, um, I think we were picking him up from college and we were in the kind of the hotel watching and city slickers came on. So if anyone knows city slickers, there's the scene where the cow starts to give birth and Billy Crystal like assists and the baby calf comes out and he says, Norman. And so like that name just always stuck with me from when I first saw that movie, probably when I was in high school. Right. And um just, I always called in, in my head and then as social media picked up on social media and it just kind of picked up. So Norman can, there's, you know, can be male, female, neither, you know, there's no, there's no attribute to Norman. Um, so Norman's just been my thing. And I love Norman, no matter what, no matter who, who it is, um, you know, red Fs, bears, snakes, turtles. So recently I got to see, you know, a wood turtle um, which was really exciting for me. And of course that was Norm, Norman, the wood turtle, um, you know, so, um, so Norm, that's, that's who Norman is to me, but Norman can be whatever anyone wants Norman to be. <laughs> there you go. There's, there's the story behind Norman. <laughs> when I first met you, I, I, and, and, you know, we connected on social media. Um, I was like, who is this Norman? And why are there so many Normans? And then I realized, oh, every animal she takes a picture of is Norman. Exactly. Thank you. I'm glad you picked up on that. <laughs> yes. 
we have some team, people commenting. Rachel Wallace just says Norman in all capital letters. Rachel Wallace happens to be my twin sister. So oh. she followed the Normans throughout the years. So <laughs> that's so great. That's Thanks so for great. watching, Rach. <laughs> I love it. Well, okay. If you are watching, feel free to drop your questions in the chat right now. We're getting down to uh, almost the home stretch here. Um, so Rebecca, what would you say has been, have you had like a really crazy animal encounter either as a superintendent or just a park user in general? Is there anything wild that's happened? I mean, I, we had the bear at Thunder Chicken, right? Yeah. Um, so as far as wild, um, well, there is sort of, it wasn't really that wild, but in, at the time it was, I was, and this is kind of a funny story. I was driving between High Point and Stokes a couple of years ago. I was in the state, one of the state vehicles, and I came across, um, there was this little tiny raccoon in the road, like this little baby raccoon kind of crossing one of our internal park roads. And I thought, ooh, like, you know, I was just kind of a little worried. I wanted to make sure that the he didn't get hit or anything. P.S. His name was Norman. Right. Right. Yes, of course. <laughs> previous information. So, I um, I like I started to open the door, and this little baby raccoon just like, <sighs> like hissed at me, and just kind of like fell over on the ground, which of course was just like, but I freaked out and like jumped in the truck and I closed the door. I was like, Oh my God, is like, is it rabid? What's happening? I, I don't know what's happening here. And then it just kind of disappeared. And, but I wasn't sure if it went under the truck that I was driving. Oh boy. I didn't want to run Norman over, but I was also like freaked out that he was going to try to like come into the vehicle, which, you know, this does not happen. People you know, I watched too many, you know, Disney movies, I guess, from a kid. From when I was a kid. And, um, and then I remember like driving away and then I actually called it in to our park police dispatch number. Like, you know, it might be, there might be a rabid raccoon, you know, not really sure. Um, <laughs> but then I was actually like freaked out that it was somewhere under the truck. <laughs> like, oh this my is, gosh. Like, <laughs> Kind of like running away. And meanwhile, I'm the park superintendent. I'm the one who's supposed to keep everyone, you know, right. so, <laughs> I'm, so I called our maintenance supervisor, Chris here at High Point, And I said, I told him the story and he was, I said, I'm just parking this truck and I'm like walking away from it. And maybe somebody wants to check it. And of course there was no, I mean, in the end, the raccoon, I just think kind of wandered off. Park police showed up, couldn't find it anywhere. And so I feel like that's just like, <laughs> mind is sort of the craziest one it really wasn't crazy um um I've seen some cool things I have I I had the opportunity to see like freshly born um uh rattlesnakes you know wow yeah neonate rattlesnakes like these amazing tiny little really beautiful um snakes mm -hmm. um that was just a real that was a really really cool unique opportunity for me um and uh so yeah I don't know I could go on and on. I could go on and on. Um, you do want to talk a little bit about Sasquatch, if you would like. Um, really briefly, I've not had any personal yeah. encounters myself. Um, we do have lots of park visitors who will share stories. But Finding Bigfoot did record, did film an episode in High Point and Stokes back in maybe... Um, I don't know, six, five, six or seven years ago. Get out. Yep. Yep. So they did a New Jersey episode. They filmed in High Point and Stokes. Um, it, interestingly enough, um, Bobcat Goldthwait was a part of the episode. He's a big, he's actually a big like Sasquad guy, Sasquatch guy. Right. Um, and not Sasquad. He's not a trail runner. He's Sasquatch. We won't hold it against him. <laughs> <laughs> but I really wasn't, I knew about Finding Bigfoot. I knew about the show, but I wasn't like, I didn't really watch it regularly. Um, but they came to film in the park and it was a weeknight. Um, and my husband was working. My husband uh, was a police officer at the time. He's now retired. And so my, so my son, maybe he was about eight at the time. So it was maybe eight or nine. And so he came with me and one of our park employees uh, who was just like a huge Finding Bigfoot fan Right. was there because we needed to have like staff to help close roads for they were filming and stuff so so anyway like our park employee was really excited I'm gonna say Jason um <laughs> uh he was just really excited and to like meet them and meet the character you know meet the characters but 
and then, so my son, Liam comes up and they said, and he gets out of the truck and they're like, and the head guy, Matt says, Hey, um, oh, so are you a big fan? And Liam goes, no, <laughs> I was like, no, you're supposed to say yes. You're supposed to say yes. Um, but for me, it was more exciting to meet Bobcat Goldweight, Bobcat Goldweight, however you say his name, Bobcat. Bobcat. Bob. Just from growing up, I knew his comedy and like his movies. You're, you're young, but you know, look him up, look up some of his, uh, his comedy just from growing up. I knew it. So, so that was kind of exciting. Um, they researched, you know, Bigfoot in Sussex County. Um, they did claim to have heard a Bigfoot call back to them oh. on one of the properties in High Point. And I said, oh, that's so exciting. Is that going to be on the show? And they said, well, no, we weren't recording at the time that we heard. Start. <laughs> but so that was a, that was kind of, that was really cool. That was kind of a really cool. Um, I love that. I mean, when I was at Ringwood, the Sopranos recorded at Ringwood. So like, there's been like some of these film shoots that are pretty cool. And then, you know, the parks end up in, in TV shows and movies and stuff. So, yeah. I love that. Well, I know that, that Sussex County is Bigfoot country because I connected with a guy who has, I guess it's his company. It's called In the Shadow of Big Red Eye and it's based out of Sussex County and, and they do actual Bigfoot hunts. Yes. Yes. Big Red Eye. There have been some sightings of Big Red Eye in High Point many, many, you know, years, many, many years ago, decades ago, maybe. But again, I can neither confirm nor deny. Right. Since right. I have not personally encountered Bigfoot. Um, but we do. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, <laughs> I love it. Well, we could talk about Sasquatch all night, but I want to <laughs> hit another question. We'll go a little deeper here. You've been the superintendent now for over 20 years. You've been in the parking in, um, parks department. Why? Why? Why do you love it? Why are you so passionate about it? You are. I obviously, I mean, you're you, your, your love for the job and passion is very evident. So tell us why, why do you love your job so much? Why do you stay in it? Why are you planning on staying till retirement? The people want to know, Rebecca. <laughs> well, I think my husband might say it's because I, I like to be because I'm a control freak. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, I prefer to say, you know, I like to be a leader. Um, but I definitely like to be, you know, to kind of manage things. So that, so like, I, 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 that's definitely part of it, but not, you know, that might've been the initial part of it. Um, it is like, you know, it, it's long hours. It's like, I'm working when everyone else is having fun weekends and holidays during the summer. I remember when I first started the job thinking like, wow. And it, it really became much more difficult for me when I had my son a few years after being hired, because now it's like, you know, raising a child, being a mom, but having like these unconventional work hours, working weekends and holidays, you know, there's no childcare on weekends. Um, luckily we had family members that helped us out because my husband was a police officer. So he was also working weekends and holidays, you know? Um, and um, so, so like there's sometimes I think like, wow, how did I get through it? But and I will, I will probably always stay in a field area in my career because first of all, see the staff just really motivate me. Mm -hmm. um, like the permanent staff, you know, we're always here. And then in the off season, we're kind of like these really small numbers. So there's a bond, you know, because you work so closely with these people. Um, and many of us, many of them were seasonal employees. Many of us worked together here 20 years ago and we're still working together today. Um, or in the case of one of our employees, we were, I worked with his mother 20 years ago and now he's working with us today, you know? So, so there's these bonds with the permanent staff, our seasonal staff who, you know, a lot of times in the spring and summers when they come back and oftentimes return year after year. And it always gets me excited again. So even maybe I'm thinking like, oh, I don't think I can do this again. I don't think I have another summer in me, but then it just gets, I just get so inspired and excited by our seasonal staff and then new ones. And then when we hire new staff, it's just kind of like telling them about the park all over again. So that is such, the, such like a big motivator for me. And I said, I'll always be in a field area because seeing the, you know, our visitors just being here and enjoying and realizing like what we're doing is making a difference for them. 
Um, I think that's such a huge part of it. Um, and of course, we're also protecting a resource. So like we're providing these places for people to come, but there's also this feeling that protecting these places for your, you know, for my children's grandchildren's grandchildren to hopefully also be able to come to. So I don't know, I guess that's maybe that in a nutshell. Um, I sleep really well at night, if you can imagine. <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm just kind of always, just always on the go. Um, but I don't know, I just love it. Just definitely from, you know, it's just like this, um, I, I really do it. I mean, there have been some really difficult days in my career over the years. There's been some tragedies, you know, that we've had to, you know, experience. Um, so there's been some really tough days, but just it always kind of comes back to, you know, me absolutely just loving it for just the people, the place. I mean, look, I'm in the middle of my, like my, my, you know, my office, the view from my office is this beautiful scenery. And, you know, so, um, so how could you, how could you go wrong with that? Love that. That was a stellar answer, Rebecca. That was great. Your sister it says, uh, you should write a book, 500,364 and a half reasons why I love my job. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I need all the, I, I could do a spoken word book. I think I, I'll talk, but someone's got to write it for me. So, yeah. you know, thanks, Rach. Yeah. All right. We've got two questions. This will probably wrap it up. These are both coming from Michael Machetta. First one is, does the New Jersey devil ever visit from the Pine Barrens? And then he wants to know, what is a typical day like? Which that's a really good question. And I'm excited for the answer. Um, so I I have yet to meet the Jersey devil. So I, you know, if, if he or she has visited, um, I have not been, it's maybe been on my day off. So um, so we'll have to, we'll have to follow up on that one. Someone should, you know, maybe escort or invite, maybe, um, you know, maybe Bigfoot can invite the Jersey devil. He, and he could be the ambassador, right? He could be the ambassador. Yeah. So that would be fantastic. And, um, what is a typical day? Like there is there, I really am not even joking when I say there isn't a typical day. Yeah. There just isn't like if I, so I was thinking if I shared with you last Sunday, you know, um, like, you know, per, I always, so, so I do run, you know, so I always try to get, I get that done in the morning. I get my workout done early. Cause there's just no way it's going to happen later. Right. Cause right. a lot of times I'm here late and, um, you know, in the summertime, like my morning will start. We just reopened the interior of the monument, which I'm really excited about 291 steps. It's our New Jersey veterans Memorial. People can, you know, come and visit. I, I'm, I can tend to be sort of obsessive about things. So, um, I always set, I set this goal that every day the monument is open and I'm working. I do climb those 291 steps. Um, so on Sunday, you know, Saturday morning, I climbed the, mon the steps to the monument and then, um, you know, and then I finish and then I go check in with the lifeguards at the beach. And then, um, you know, and then we have a phone call because, you know, the credit card machine isn't working at the toll booth. So like I run and try to fix that. And then, there's a call that we have an Appalachian trail through hiker who's experiencing some um, issues and is like maybe getting into some uh, sugar issues with his diabetes. So like might need a ride. So I go and meet up with a, a ridge runner to pick up this through hiker to bring him to the park office. And then, um, and then there is an, oh, and then our alarm, our fire alarm went off at our interpretive center building. So oh I go to the interpretive center then we actually had a water search at the beach and that's really scary because there's lifeguards and there's a, a reported lost child. So we have to kind of kick into gear there. So then I was at the beach with that. Um, so we had to clear the water for that. <laughs> then, um, then we, then we reopened the water and I remembered specifically it was 3 20 p.m when we reopened the water and then at 3 25 it started thundering so we had to clear the water again um and then you know so like if you like are you catching the theme here like this is yeah. just there is no such thing as a typical day some days might i might be at the computer all day because there's you know i'm oversee a budget and you know all sorts of stuff um but then this time of year a lot of times just out and about jumping from place to place. And then like, there's a second park. So there's Stoke State Forest. So I have to try to get over there. So um, there's just no such thing as a typical day. And that's probably why I love it also. Yeah, I love <laughs> that. Funny. You never know what the day's going to bring. Never, ever know. <laughs> that's awesome. There you go, Michael. There's your answer. No typical day. Um, <laughs> all right, here's our last question for you. What do you want people to know about 
NJ State Park, specifically High Point or Stokes? Like what makes your parks so special and so great? That's a great question. Um, I mean, I'll say they're the best in the state right. park service of a little, I mean, I think I'll add Ringwood into the mix too. Um, but what's really interesting is High Point and Stokes share a border, um, but they're really two very different places. Um, and obviously what makes High Point the best, I would say is the view, you know, this amazing view from the highest point in New Jersey. Um, and so, you, and anyone and everyone needs to at some point experience that view. Um, and visit and the monument. And there's, you know, some great, some great trails here too. And, um, and Stokes, you know, and you know this because you run the trails there. Um, just when you're in the forest at Stokes, I just, I just feel like you're not in New Jersey, you know, it's just very kind of this more of a New York-y Adirondack-y type feel, right. With the beautiful pines and, and uh, hemlocks. I'm a big fan of hemlock trees and, um, and um, Stokes, you have to experience the natural beauty of of the like, Tillman's Ravine specifically is in a beautiful is a beautiful area. Um, the Blue Mountain Loop, which of course the you know the Thunder Chicken took place on. Um, so the trails at Stokes, a hundred percent. You know, it's not about the views at Stokes. It's just about experiencing that feeling when you're just kind of surrounded by these pines and you know the rhododendrons are going to be in bloom probably like now, um, and the streams running through. I just think this the, the beauty of Stokes, you know, cannot be you know very difficult to match anywhere else. So I, that would be my my I answer. Hardly agree. I remember the first time I was out there making the course for. Um, the double squatch and I, it was just the very beginning of the brown blaze stony trail mm -hmm. and when you got those the cascading waterfalls on the side and the, the huge pine trees I remember just stopping and, and thinking like this is so beautiful like I mean, a quarter mile from the road right anyone literally. can walk anyone can walk just a, if you feel like you can't do it you can do it because it's a short walk and you're in the middle of it right and then I thought like that can't be topped. And when I did the Blue Mountain Loop for the first time, when you're on that section right next to the river and you're going through that big pine tree forest, all the runners said that was their favorite part. And it's like the pine uh, is really like a, a carpet you're running on minus all the roots that you can trip on. But it's just, oh, so, so beautiful at Stokes. I, I think it's probably my favorite state park I would have to say I love that because I know Northern Green I know you really enjoy Northern Green too um and Stokes really I mean come visit us everyone because you know we don't like like you know there's parking lots filling to capacity you know at places like Wayway Onda and out Mount Tammany at Worthington but I mean we got uh, there's a lot of parking to access the Blue Mountain Loop at Stokes and there and Tillman so I mean Tillman's Ravine gets a little busy but I mean over on the other side you're not going to get turned away. You're not going to not have a parking spot. So come check it out for sure. I love it. Well, Rebecca, this has been squatchtastic to say the least. <laughs> I love it. Thank you it's so much. I, I really appreciate it. And I've said it to you before, you and um, Jessica Krugel, you guys are so easy to work with at the state parks. And I just appreciate that you really want to have events and you know, you make it easy to have these trail events. And um, I mean, from top down, you guys, the maintenance on the trails, the administrative side of hosting events, it's just, it really is a pleasure to say, I'm not just saying that because you're on the interview, but I really, <laughs> you, you, you make it so easy. And, and uh, that's why we keep coming back to Stokes. Love it. Thank you. And you were, uh, you're a pleasure to work with as well. So thank you so much. And quick fun fact, Jessica and I started together at Ringwood State Park. We both worked together there. So. Oh, right. That's yeah, so awesome. Jess and I go way back to, yeah. I love that. I haven't seen her in so long because we haven't been back to Wayweonda since I don't even know when. It's been a long time. We're, yeah, because the, um, the sweater run was canceled, right? Yeah. The sweater run yeah. was canceled. So it was probably that previous year, I guess. And every time we're there, it's horrendous weather. So. <laughs> You'll get back. We will, we will. So anyway, Rebecca, thank you so much again for joining us. If you want to find out more about um, NJ State Parks, where should people go, Rebecca? How can they learn more? 
our wonderful new and improved website. I'm going to give, give a shout out to Jimmy because I he might be watching. Um, and um, uh, NJ Parks and Forests with an S dot org. Um, great website. You can look check out all the state parks. Um, and there is a New Jersey State Parks Facebook page. Um, there's also a High Point State Park Facebook page and a Stokes State Forest Facebook page. I have to be a little more engaging on the Stokes page. Um, we, I get. Are you in of charge of it? I am. Yeah, yeah. I do the Facebooks too. <laughs> I wow. do. I do the social medias for the uh, for the parks. Um, Jimmy, uh, our social media uh, guy, does the State Park Service one, but um, but I do the High Point and Stokes one. So. Man, just another uh, hat to add to your rack there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's funny, and you know this because you operate your page, right? I mean, well, we get some of these public questions, you know, it's like 3 a.m., you know, like someone's yeah. asking the question, is the lake open? I mean, there are times, because I never turn the alerts off on my phone, I'm waking up in the middle of the night and I'm seeing like, is the lake open? Like, oh, and if I don't answer it then, like I won't, I'll forget, I just forget to answer it. Right. Sometimes I'm responding to the public, you know, at three o'clock in the morning, they're probably thinking like, wow, that's really great customer service. Well, no, it's just because like, I'll completely forget by the time I wake up. So yeah. I love that. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> All right. So you heard it here. You've got the website for NJ State Parks. Again, go check out Stokes first, and then you can head over to High Point. Awesome. Um, Rebecca, thank you again. And um, you're listening, you want to catch up on our events for Sasquatch Trail Running, just go to our website, sasquatchtrailrunning.com. We're on Facebook as Sasquatch Trail Running and Instagram, Sasquatch Trail Runners. And uh, we will have this podcast episode up in the next week or so. You can find that anywhere podcasts are streaming. We're on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, all the good stuff. So you can pop it on when you're going for a run, a car ride, or just hanging out. So that wraps it up for us. So until we see you again... Keep it squatchy.